This podcast was prepared or accomplished by Dylan Weller and Jonathan Kovacs in their personal capacity. Any views or opinions expressed or represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast hosts and their guests. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the hosts or guests may or may not be affiliated or associated with in a professional or personal capacity. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. The names, dates, or personal details may have been changed or removed to protect confidentiality. We just want a quick shout out to our sponsors of the SAR Take. Uh, first off is Mr. Paul Jackman in Greenwood, Nova Scotia. He's a realtor. And uh, for all your realtor needs and real estate needs, if you're getting close to Greenwood or Nova Scotia, this is the man for you. He knows the area, knows the people, knows knows the industry. He's been a homeowner for a very long time and he's good at what he does. Out west in BC, Nathan King, the realtor out on the island. If you guys have any questions, super awesome guy, you know, cool dude, family guy. He's got a dog, he's got kids, you know, you're going to love him. You're going to love the guy. He's doing great stuff for the guys in the trade already, you know. So we have the Pararescue Association, which is a helpful platform to with our with our little podcast here we're gonna have a bunch of merchandise for sale for you guys coming up soon i promise it's gonna be cool everybody will be able to go on there buy books from sartex some shirts from sartex some hats from sartex we got some woodworkers within the trade we got some placards we got a bunch of stuff but we really got to get our online game together and that's coming to you guys pretty soon and lastly, if you have any uh, thoughts about the show, comments, or you want to ask us questions, reach out to us. Uh, we're open books. If you want information about the SAR trade, you want information about the military, reach out to us on thesartake at gmail.com or on our Facebook and Instagram. We'll be happy to help you out. And if we don't have the answers, we have resources and we have people who've agreed to take on uh, pro bono, so to speak, uh, to get people into the military, to get people into trades that they enjoy. And of course, for our best interests, uh, the search and rescue trade. Uh, so reach out to us. Uh, don't be shy and let us know how we're doing. If you have requests, uh, if you have any suggestions, let us know. And thanks for listening. Rescue. Rescue. Okay. This is the uh, next episode of the SAR Take. I'm uh, a co-host Dylan Weller with BK. And today on our show, we have one of our most requested people on our show. Uh, he's... Um, a very well-respected Sartek in the trade. He's been around for a while uh, and his name is John Elms and they call him Elmo. So he was born and raised in Nelson, BC when he joined the military PPCLI 1984. He was posted to one PPCLI Calgary in 1984 and to the Canadian Airborne Regiment in 86. In 91, he was posted as an instructor to the PPCLI Battle School. In 94, he was posted to the two PPCLI in Winnipeg shortly after receiving his offer to begin SARTEC course in January of 1995. He was posted to 424, that's in Trenton, upon graduation. Uh, in 2001, he was posted to 442, which is Comox, and he was there until 2006. He was then posted as a uh, Canadian Forces School of Search and Rescue instructor until 2011. He also uh, ran a SAR course. He was then posted to 103 Squadron, that's in Gander, Newfoundland, and he was the STL. And then he, a year later, he released. In late 2012, he was offered a reservist job at Quadra, where he's currently employed as a reservist. That's, in a nutshell, a very um, interesting guy. So we hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with John Elms. Just a quick uh, side note about the uh, format of this episode. 
and John Elms has uh, got a lot of information and a lot of stuff to share. So what we decided to do was make an episode uh, about a mission story that he tells, uh, but just kind of a quicker episode to show who we're going to be interviewing. And then next Monday, we'll release the full interview where we talk about all kinds of stuff, including uh, star projects that he was part of. Uh, John Elms has run multiple selections and he has some really good stuff to say about uh, what it takes to be successful and who they're looking for. And we talk about his career and different things he's done in the military. It's quite uh, impressive. So enjoy the rescue story that he tells today and then uh, tune in next week for the full interview. Rescue. Um, okay, cool. Mission story. Let's do it. I can't wait. All right. Okay, mission story. Yeah. All right. So I just got posted from uh, 424 Squadron to uh, to, 42, or to 442 Squadron. And uh, clear into the shop. My stuff's still in tri-walls. It's, uh, it's in the shop. It's been delivered, you know. Uh, so all your operational gear, is that the way it still works? It gets shipped to the, to the shop. Yeah. And then your personal gear goes to your house or whatever. So anyways, all my operational gear, and I, there was a weight. And I can't remember what it was. But the tri-wall shows up. So I'm in to work at uh, the squadron here in Comox and, and uh, open up the tri-wall and, and uh, there's Dave Cooper and Morgan Bitterman. And I just put, I put those guys through the battle school in like 1993 or 94, right? And uh, as young infantry recruits. Anyways, so, uh, hey man, there's a big mission. Yeah, it's up in Alaska. Like there's been a plane crash up in Alaska and I'm like, wow. So uh, I had just come from Hertz and Labs, so I wasn't qualified on the Buffalo yet. Like I literally am just clearing. I wasn't even cleared in yet. So uh, so Coop goes, you want to come? I'm like, fuck, I'll go. Sure, man. So I cut straps on the tri-wall and, and uh, break into my thing. I said, so Alaska, what is it? He goes, it, it's a plane crash. Sounds like it's, uh, you know, around 9,000 feet or so. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab. So I grab my rock and start packing them you know, some kind of B-25 kit that I can think of to put together, ice boots, crampons, you know, stuff like that, right? So I get it all uh, all packed, and uh, so Coop's the, uh, he's the team lead, and Morgan's the team member. I'm nothing. I haven't even cleared in yet, right? I'm a team leader, but I'm not qualified on the Buffalo. Right. Like, as even a team member. So anyways, I get on the airplane with these two guys, and we start flying up, and we, we head up there, and as we get closer you know we're getting more information there's been a plane crash at 11,500 feet and there's two climbers that they went for two weeks and they would do this uh they'd go climbing together and they knew the pilot up there and after two weeks they would meet him at this uh at this landing zone and the landing zone was at about 70 7,500 feet cool. so after the 14 days he would pick them up and then fly them back home after they did their peaks okay so uh so anyways, we get up there in the Buffalo. Well, obviously we can't land at 7,500 feet on a, uh, on a glacier. So uh, we go to Yak Yaktat, Alaska. And it's right on the, uh, it'd be the eastern border, uh, southeastern border of Alaska, almost bordering the Yukon. So we land there and, and uh, a pave hawk grabs us. So we grab our gear. And so an American pave, pave hawk grabs us. And they fly us up to this landing zone at 7,500 feet. So they go, yeah, well, this is where you guys get off here because we're too heavy to go up any higher than this. So we get off and there's going to be an A-star helicopter, a civilian A-star helicopter shuttle up to 11.5. 
and there's already PJs working on this guy. And what had happened was is um, the uh, the climbers didn't show up at this landing zone, and so uh, the pilot knew the guys and he knew their route. So he went and started flying their route backwards, and he found he found them. And uh, so, anyways, to make I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. So I uh, so it's my turn to get in the A star, and uh, I jump in the helicopter by myself, go up there. Morgan and Dave come up. So now there's the three of us at 11,500 feet. We're all in our crampons, ice boots. PJ's there, there's ropes hooked up. They got some kind of ra uh, raising system set up. And uh, I'm like, where the hell, you know, where is this plane? And uh, I remember the pilot saying to me as we're flying in, like, and I know I was by myself and we're flying into to where the crash was. And he said, I don't know why, why he did this. And he's talking about the pilot because they were friends. And he said, I don't know why he did this. And I looked down and in the snow was help, stomped in the snow, help, no food. I said, well, right there, partner. I said, that's why they, that's why they, you know, that's why the uh, pilot landed here. It says help, no food. So anyways, uh, the helicopter pilot lets me off and I get out and I head down to where the ropes are and the PJs are talking to me and we start working on these patients and bringing them out of this plane. And what had happened was, is a plane landed because he saw help no food stamped in the snow and he decided to land so he landed on this uh at 11.5 he landed and you could see where he did a u-turn because he could see the tracks in the snow and uh with his those uh bush the bush tires right the tundra tires so uh and he turns around and then uh he's gone well, he started jumping crevasses after he picked up the pilot, started jumping crevasses and endowed it right down into crevasse. And he was 30 feet down in a crevasse, nose down in the aircraft. So the pilot, they all survived the crash initially. And then the pilot died overnight. And the two climbers were in the back with all their gear. And uh, they're trying to get gear out. The one guy had a broken back. The other guy had a broken shoulder. Uh, that was Morgan's patient. I can't remember exactly. My guy had a broken back and uh, broken noses and blah, 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 right? So anyways, we get him out of the crash and, and Cooper and uh, Dave Cooper and Morgan Bitterman, they take the first patient out of the uh, crash and they load him onto the A-star and they're gone, right? So I'm standing on the top of the glacier waiting for the, wait, waiting to hold the next guy, right? And so the PJs and I get the next guy out and uh, he's got a broken back. So get him onto a spine board. The A-star comes up, picks me up. And this is probably about, I want to say three hours after Dave and Morgan had already gone. By the time we got this guy out, two hours, like a, like a substantial amount of time. Anyways, they're gone. Now, I don't even have a wallet or anything. You got to imagine this. I'm in my freaking, you know, Arctic gear. Well, we're in our North Face gear ice boots, crampons, blah, blah, blah. So I get onto the A-star with this guy, get an IV going on him, start getting some morphine into him, get to uh, down to 7,500 feet. The A-star drops me off, the PayPal picks me up. With the casualty, we fly back to Yak Attack. I get on an American Herc, and there's a bunch of nurses, like they fly with about 10, like I don't know how many people, I'm exaggerating, but they're probably with 12 or 15 of them. And they're nurses, but they don't, they can't run IVs. They can't do anything, right? And they're looking at me. So he's already got an IV in. I've got morphine into him. He's hypothermic. Like he's been in a plane overnight. He's been in this plane for about 12, 15 hours. So 
anyways, uh, get them on the hurt. The hurt's warm. We warm up slowly. We get, we fly into Anchorage. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Anchorage. Morgan might say it was Fairbanks and he would know better anyways. I get to the hospital in Anchorage. I, I'm positive it was. And uh, ambulance meets me at the airport. I jump off the, the uh, hurt, the American hurt with this patient. Jump in the ambulance, get to the emergency room, and I'm I look like I just came off of Mount Everest, right? I'm in my North Face gear with my ice boots and stuff and a pack. But I got no idea, I got no wallet, I got no money. We don't have cell phones, right? There's no cell phones in 2001. This was like this would have been August of 2001 because I just got posted here. So uh, I go into the emergency room. I do the handover to the nurses in the emergency room, and then I'm like hey uh nurse and she says yeah she said i said is there like two guys somewhere around here dressed like me because i have no idea <laughs> where i am where these guys are right like they're gone and he goes yeah she goes uh she said there's two guys in here a while ago but uh they took off you know to the hotel or whatever and i'm like what hotel she goes i don't i don't know right <laughs> well how the hell how would i know so she goes well you know, do you want a bed or something? Like I'm exhausted, right? It's been like a 20 hour or 24 hour mission. So I'm like, yeah. So she, I got all my gear off. I slept in the emergency room, right? And talked to the guy that we just pulled out and the other guy with the broken shoulder. And about nine o'clock in the morning, Cooper and Bitterman show up to the hospital. And I'm like, where were you guys? And they're like, man, we got back from the mission out to the bar we went right like off submission with the crew because we're with the buff crew now and i'm like well where'd you go i said i didn't go anywhere i slept right here in the emergency room <laughs> oh, i haven't God. gone anywhere so anyways they uh so we get back on the buffalo and uh i am exhausted because and they think that i've picked up some nurse like that's what they said they go oh you just met some nurse in the hospital and you never left right and they're they're being sarcastic but so i fall asleep in the buffalo on the way home so they've got like cone hats taped on my hair. They've got toothbrushes stuck in my ear. They've got, cause I'm out, like I'm tired out. And they're take, they took pictures with, we used to carry a, uh, what are the cameras that, that print out the pictures? The old- um, uh, Polaroid. 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 Yeah. Polaroids, right? That's what we used to carry for aircraft identification on the lab in the box. So they pull out the Polaroid camera and they take pictures of me all dressed up like this and I don't know it, I'm asleep. So then they post it, you know, they, they put it in the shop, like it's all over the walls in the shop and everything, right? It's all funny, it's good morale, blah, blah, blah. Well, about three weeks later, Morgan Bitterman, he breaks his back, like seriously, right? As you guys probably know. And you might have to edit this, I'm not sure. But uh, I was on lab standby that night that, and he was with Lance and he broke his, uh, broke his back in Greenwood and they loaded him onto an ambulance. So I went to the hospital, I'd heard about it. And of course, Morgan and I are pretty close. So I go to the hospital and meet Dave Cooper there and they're like best friends. And uh, I talked to the surgeon that looked at his x-rays and they weren't even sure he was gonna walk again. And we had to transfer him from uh, Comox to Vancouver. There was one spinal bed in Vancouver. So I phoned Fred Daniger, my course NCO, said, Fred, you got to phone the CEO and tell him to launch the lab and we can take him over. There's a bed there in Vancouver right now, but, but there's no way to get him there. They don't have a helicopter. So they did, they launched the lab and the, they gave me 40 milligrams with uh, Dave Cooper of morphine to give to Morgan because he was going through morphine, like he was in pain, right? 
So every five minutes, we're giving them another 10 milligrams at a time, not 2.5, 10 at a time. So uh, as, we're, as we're flying over there, I'm with Dave Cooper, and I said, man, I know I'm going to go to hell for this, but oh, no. if, he, if he never walks again, we're never going to show these pictures, right, Dave? So like stuffed a toothbrush in Morgan's face, cone helmet, you know, cone hat on him, dressed him up like, you know, but the guy's got a broken back. He doesn't even know if he's going to walk again. And so uh, we delivered him to the hospital in Vancouver. And as you know, Morgan's, Morgan's good. He's a pretty sore kid. But yeah. He's a tough kid, right? But uh, anyways, so we, uh, we had a laugh with those pictures, but uh, that's our tech humor, I guess, right? Yeah, so, for sure. So I got to go on a mission with, two guys that I put through the battle school and now they're my team leader and now they're my team member and I'm not even qualified. And I guess now fast forward, Morgan's my boss, right? He's a slow sip, sir. Right. <laughs> as a rescue. rescue. Wow. Rescue. Awesome. What a good story. So I hope that helps. Hey, that was... I'm, I'm glad it turned out good. Cause imagine, just imagine you taking all those pictures and the dude is, <laughs> really Steve Ackland and I, Steve Ackland and I are trying to catheterize Morgan in the hospital at, at St. Joe's in, in Comox here. We're trying to talk the nurse into catheterizing Morgan so we can get the pictures. And she's like, get out of my room. Like she kicked us out. <laughs> like, man. Uh, you gotta that. have fun though. You gotta have fun, you know. And, fun, and you only make fun of people that you like too, right? So it's That's almost right. like a it's it's an honorable thing to be to be played a prank on. That's what I learned at, at in Greenwich, you know. Yeah. Absolutely, boys. That was great. <laughs>